So that was a single by my man. Uh, for people who just tuned in, I got a special dude in the building. Um, I started to um, I decided to do a new uh, episode of of, of uh, Hang with Wang. While I'm gonna invite some of the the illest rappers I know, especially ones with a mission and a purpose. Uh, this is actually the first self acclimated trap vegan rapper um and uh i'm excited to to have him here today to spread a little wealth a little health and a little self-help what's up my dude ned welcome to the show brother how you what's doing what's going on brother this is ned namaste i'm that gluten-free og 
Yeah, I'm here with you. I'm happy to be here. I'm here to raise vibrations, man. Raise. So what vibration would you say you're at at this level? Positive, high vibrations. That's where I'm at. The frequency is love. I'm connected to that divine source. Now, when I say vegan, everybody think I'm plant-based. I'm actually a star seed from that planet Vega. If you know, Vega's uh, light years away. And that's what we call the people of Vega as vegans. I always thought Vega was a character on Street Fighter 2. Oh, was that right? And yeah, he, he wore like a phantom of the you opera gotta, You got to tell me some of this earth terminology. I'm still oh, learning. earth terminology, okay. Yeah, so right now I'm still learning about your planet. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a few things I'm learning about human beings and uh, the culture of, uh, of, of, of humans. So tell us a little more uh, about the planet you, uh, you, you originate or you derive from. Oh, Vega's a few light years away. It's a very loving, high-energy planet where uh, the humanoids of the planet, we have the ability to shape-shift and turn into anything you want from animals into any other type of beings because we're at that evolutional phase where we have that ability to transcend and turn into any... any, uh, any So you're, in a a sense, you're a shape-shifter. Absolutely. um, We're... We, we can turn and transform into anything we put our consciousness into. Okay. So if I were to say, could you transform into a, like a microphone? Would you be able to? If I was in the planet Vega, yes, I can. But here on the planet Earth, I'm actually, this is just my energy. I am actually channeled uh, by, I'm, I'm using this uh, body. This body is just a vessel. It's some guy named Vince. So, so you're a vessel. You're a vessel riding through a guy named Vince. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, so he's just basically like my Uber driver. You know what I'm saying? So Uber, he's like the Uber driver for your soul. That's right. You so, know? so how much acid have you done today? Uh, not today, but I've done some hallucinogenics. You done some hallucinogenics. Well, some people in humans call them, uh, you know, mushrooms or. Uh, Plant medicines. Uh, plant that's medicines. A, like, that's actually like what, what kind of plant medicine? Like a medical card plant medicine? That, or? That's part of it. That there's different kinds okay. of plant medicines that have actually triggered. Uh, it uh, was like, like a root a phone, or something? Like a, 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 a ancient root? That's right. It was a phone call. Basically what happened was this vessel, Vince Royale. A phone at, call? Yeah. So Tell me happened, more about, about this phone call. Was so it, uh, basically what happened was Vince, I guess... Went on a little retreat, went out there into the wilderness, took some plant medicine. He actually was able to channel and uh, what you would call as uh, how I can explain in human terms. He basically connected with me. I connected with Vince and I, cha- I was able to travel light years and go into his body. He channeled me and I'm, giving, able, he, I'm able to deliver the information. And I said, you know what? I'm here now, man. So as okay, so now you you you're from the planet Vega, well, and yeah. and you found a uh, vessel to channel your love, yeah, and, like, and your spirit. I am uh, here, and, but and is there bef- a purpose before, for your bef- mission? Yeah, before Vince, I actually I was living. Uh, before him, I actually had another vessel. I was actually. Uh, this dude, he I hate to say it because it was it was a very low vibrational vessel I was living in. He was actually a dope dealer. So oh, I had to live, oh, yeah. okay. I had to live that lifestyle for a few years. <laughs> so you you like upgraded your vessel, basically. Yeah, basically. You know, nice. I wasn't very comfortable with that body. You I had didn't to like the that. dope dealer lifestyle body. Did not like that. You the, know? Did you have to? Uh, uh, you know, de- did you have to? Uh, you know, 
uh, murder anybody? Or... I don't want to talk about it because, you know, it's very traumatic okay. for me. He did a lot of things I didn't like. Basically, I didn't have no control. I was just living, yeah. I was just observing, and st I'm still learning how to be in human form. I wasn't used to it. But finally, I found somebody really... Really, uh, yeah, really you, cool, you, you really could, chill. I like, I really like Vince. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna move out. Of so, this so in a way, vessel. you're like Venom. You're like a, a vegan Venom. Yeah, but I'm a more nice. Yeah, if, if you, you just encapsulate a ab dude. Absolutely, but I'm okay. a much more nicer. You know, Venom's a little more dark. Vegan. And, you know, with me, I'm, I'm a lot more nicer. And Vince yeah. and I, we get along real well. Get he's along. a really, he's a really nice, positive guy. So nice, I don't mind sharing good. sharing this vessel with him. But before that. That one dude, I don't even want to say his name because I believe in the streets. That's called snitching. You know, so I'm not even going to go there. But he did, he, I witnessed a lot of things. So living that dope okay. dealer lifestyle. Is there like a, a vegan snitching code where if, if you get caught snitching, you get beat down with carrots or no, something? No, not at all, man. You know, well, you know, there's not at all. It's all about love. It's all about forgiveness. Forgiving That's all people, it is. huh? So then, you know, when... when I was able to leave that body, and I was sort of like suspended in limbo for a little bit. But Vince was able to channel me. I was able to go into his body, and now we're living in harmony. And I like, I like, I like Vince. He's a really nice dude, and he's learning a lot from me, and I'm learning a lot from him. You know about the planet Earth and how to live as a human being. You know, because unlike unlike Vega, I can't just shape shift and turn into whatever I want. But I'm over here, I'm still fulfilling my destiny, my true potential, which is to make some dope, conscious vegan hip-hop. Conscious vegan hip-hop. You feel me? That's right, George Wang. So you must uh, have no beef with any rappers then? No, not at no, all, man. right? We... Yeah, I told you, when I'm plant-based. There's no beef Fine. at all. There's no beef at all. That's good. It's all love, man. It's all love. You know, all that beef and, and hatred your, your, and Your jealousy. music feels like uh, like it, it nourishes my soul, you know, like uh, the way like eating vegetables. That's what it's about, do, man. Do but you know what for, saying? My, for my body. But make sure, be selective, because not every vegetable is good for you. Make sure it's organic and non-GMO. Non-GMO. Yeah, a lot of these vegetables, they're... They have pesticides. And they, they got a lot of pesticides. I actually uh, was watching Dr. Labs. Sebi videos. Uh, Dr. Sebi was the original conspiracy theory of how Nipsey Hussle died. And so I was curious. And um, he said that broccoli was a bullshit vegetable. Like that's a man-made vegetable that has a lot of like alkaline or something. That... Yeah, well, alkaline is actually good for you. Make Not sure alkaline. Oh, yeah, he was saying alkaline is good. But he was saying like broccoli, it was something that not good. Hey, there are a few vegetables that are very good for you. I mean, I definitely recommend kale. You is know, kush a good vegetable? Kush is a very good vegetable. You know what I'm <laughs> That's a good. If you don't, if you don't know by vegetable. now, actually, your body is part, um, you know, cannabinoid. We run a cannabinoid system, so it's normal yes. for us to consume can. Cannabis. Is it's that the truth, Namaste? We absolutely. Are. I did not know that. Yes, it's part of us. So it's for us to consume uh, cannabis plant medicine. It's part of uh, our nature. It's part, it's part of who of, we are. Uh, part of who we are. Exactly. So I, I make feel sure like you I'll, keep your body filled with cannabis and also filled with alkaline. Feel body clean. So the reason why I got you here, man, is, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, guests that come on my podcast. Um, I don't get too many rappers, let alone vegan rappers. Would you mind spinning a few bars, maybe? Like, uh, we did hear your first song. Um, and, and could you tell us a little more about that, the song that, that, that we, uh, 
that was that called we brought ve- you out to. That was called vegan potluck. That's just a play on words because part of me, yes, I am plant based. Uh, vegan I'm... potluck. So now explain the vegan potluck. Like it's like a potluck at work, and everyone brings a, a you know a vegetable from. Yeah, uh, it's basically a bunch of plant based uh, diet, and it's a it's a get together between. Positive and conscious individuals. Positive and conscious individuals. Yeah, but like it's that. also a play on words because, you know, now I'm not just plant Because I actually have a lot of uh, vegan friends and, and really, you know, like hippie dudes. And, and yeah, they would the, appreciate your music because it's like you're speaking to, to them. I'm speaking to them, but I'm also speaking to my vegans from the planet Vega. So it's so, a, yeah, yeah, a double meeting, you know what I'm saying? And also, did you know Vega was also a, a shampoo brand? There's I did a, not know yeah, that. So there's I, actually four meanings to it. Yeah, but I don't think it's vegan. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's animal products in Vega uh, shampoo. Oh, is that right? Yeah. See, I'm learning yeah, something new. Because I didn't see anything on the, uh, on the bottle that specified that. So I'm assuming they might have a little dairy in the shampoo. Oh, well, that's that's beautiful to know. I'm I'm learning so much every day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, love, I love, agree. Love so, um, uh, are you gonna spit a few bars for us, or what's going down? Yeah, right for here? some reason, you know, I've developed this gift with uh, gift of semantics and lyricism. So I'm able to, uh, as I learned this human language called English, I'm able to put words together and put them in a rhyme format. Right. And as uh, some folks call it, lyricism or MCing. Okay. So we go on acapella today. We, we can gotta... do that. Well, I got some beats if you want. You, you yeah, know. please put the beat on. Um, you know what? I would rather. Yeah, let's see. Let's do that. Let's see what we got. Here. Now, how can we get the beat on through? Uh... Well, I got this Bluetooth thing. I think that's what okay, I'm. Okay, so yeah, so I would say run it on the. I would say we could drop the instrumental, and then we could just have you come on and spit a few verses. Let's do that. Let's do that. All okay. Right, cool. So. Uh... So guys, you are in for a real treat. In for a real treat, not meat. Uh, Ned is going to uh, bless us with some, with some vegan bars. Vegan bars. These are like uh, uh, the the bars you buy at Whole Foods that look like a uh, fig fig Newton, but it's uh, ten dollars more. Uh, he's gonna be vegan bars, baby. Some fig bars. This is the gluten free OG Ned Namaste. Ned Namaste. I need y'all honey. to feel me. Intuitively, I want everybody out there I'm listening here. to be conscious to to invite Ned into your soul, into your heart, into your into your into your digestive system, because uh, you know what he spits, to, guys, trying, is is the truth. I'm just trying to find a beat right now. Yeah, we, we yeah. On one second. He's trying to find a you beat like a, he's literally trying to find a beat. He's in a field. I'm gonna have to bust out the laptop. He's trying to find you know, a, a talk good. Talk to the listeners real quick. A good I'm beat. Gonna, I'm gonna turn the laptop. Ned Namaste, you don't know, Google me. I'm a mix between Gandhi and Pusha T. I was Captain Saber Ho, super freak. Now I'm up with the Trader Joe's gluten free. In my past life, drive by shooting sprees. Now I spread love, drive by woods and trees. Vegan life, plant based soul food. Spitting game of single moms up in Whole Foods. I don't need your name, number, or your mobile. I'm a psychic, girl, I already know you. I used to rock these diamonds with the go-to. Now 
Now my rocks are amethyst and opals Woman love my wrist with the gemstones It's hard to keep your boy Ned in the friend zone You're getting blocked like EMF cell phones Feel my aura tingle on your flesh bones Oh, Ned, namaste, listen Feel me? Hell yeah, I'm that gluten-free OG, baby Dope deal, sold crack cocaine. Now it's about oatmeals and the whole grain. I was up in the clubs with the gold chains. Now I dance naked in the mud, no shame. I used to drink 40s, now I'm in the green juice. I used to drink, ah, uh, hold on. Ooh. I used to drink 40s, now I'm in the green juice. I drink my alkaline water when they eat fruit. You don't want gout, gonna make your feet move. So I suggest some antioxidant tea brew. I'm in the streets, healthy as a pea soup, and I meditate, grounded like a tree roots. So, man, namaste. Namaste. Y'all like that beat? I can switch it up, man. Switch it up, bro. Let me take that back. Let me take that back. Oh, One more time. Over. Yeah. I used to dope deal, sell. Uh, yeah. I used to dope deal, sell crack cocaine. Now it's about. Naked in the mud, no shame. I used to drink 40s, now I'm in the green juice. I drink my alkaline water and I eat fruit. You don't want gout, gonna make your feet move. So I suggest some antioxidant tea brew. I'm in the streets, healthy as a pea soup. And I meditate, grounded like a tree's root. Psychic medium, oh yeah, I channel soul. Jumama Scorpio, yeah, I read a horoscope. Ned's an OG, ancient like the UFOs. And I'ma let you know right now we ain't alone. I seen all kinds of aliens, I see them morph. I have an X from Planet X, Xenomorph. Yeah. yeah. Vegan, that, baby. Vegan for life. It ain't a diet, it's a lifestyle, it's baby. It's a lifestyle. Change up your diet. Ned, namaste. Watch what you... Yo, yo, we were back. Ned, Ned is gonna bless us with another one. I like this beat. It's very uh, alchemist-y. So, uh... All right, guys, here's Ned Namaste. What was that last, um... Was that last bar you spit? Is there a name to that song? Yes, sir, Ned Namaste, baby. Ned Namaste, okay. Let's go, Ned, get him. So woke, baby. So woke. So woke, stay woke. Stay back in the days I sold dope. Nowadays I can't sleep. I'm so woke. I'm living light speed. Ooh, you a slow poke. I levitate off the ground. I go float. Read minds. I'm in your girl dream lucid. Tibetan monks meditate to my music. I used to love going to clubs where the strippers. Now I hang with Buddhist monks swimming slippers. Now I'ma stay concentrate. Let the sage burn. Eating right, body clean. Ain't no tapeworms, organic fresh, you know if it's lunch yet. I love the earth, one would you grow watching sunsets? Ballistic man, I used to point my guns first. Now holistic on point acupunctures. I used to stress over women that was ratchet. I'll only make love to queens if it's tantric. I paint your body with some ancient Sanskrit. For the streets from my DNA Atlantis. Take a journey with peyote and some cactus. I see aliens, coyotes, it's so magic. Now I'ma stay extraterrestrial, starseed. 
but I smoke with some humans if you got weed. Fine women getting beam to my star fleet. We getting lit in my UFO at max speed. A close encounter getting nasty in the spaceship. Little green women run around me naked. Don't be scared, you looking kinda pale, miss. Come and get your green big bag of kale chips. Let's recycle, get rid of all the plastics. I love whales, I saw that movie Blackfish. Vegan gang, you know how we turn up. Home we need is some collard greens and turnip. Yeah, now I'm a stay. And the state, bitches. Here we are, George Wang. Down dog for life. Get your yoga head. Yeah. Make sure you vibrate, drink that alkaline water. Get eight hours of sleep. Here we are. Yeah. All my life, sacrifice. Hustle pay the price. Want a slice. Got to roll the dice. That's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. That's who I made my wife. Said I die alone. I told that bitch she probably right. One thing that's for sure. Not a stranger to this life. Got a safe that's full of breakfast and a shoulder full of stripes. I don't know a nigga like myself. I say self-made, meaning I designed myself. County jail fades. You can pull my foul yourself. Spot rags, swallow rocks. I'm getting high myself. Nah, damn right I like the life I built. I'm from West Side 60. Shit, I might got killed. Standing so tall, they think I might got stills. Legendary baller like Mike, like Will. 96 Impala, thug like on wheels. Up against the wall, scrabble at Fox Hills. Like a motherfucking boss, ask me how I feel. Successful street nigga touching them first meals. Whoa, all my life, been grinding all my Yo, 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 yo. What the fuck is going on? Guys, all right, we just had Ned on. Uh, he had a bounce, uh, apparently. Uh, there was a, a sale going out at Whole Foods. I think he wanted to run down there, get some Brussels sprouts. But um, we got a new dude uh, here tonight. Uh, this dude, uh, I, I, I don't really want to say a lot other than... Um... All right, yo, 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 yo. So we are back uh, like I was... Okay, yo, we're back like I was saying. Uh, we got a special motherfucking guest in the house. Uh, this is a, a good friend of mine, dude. Um, I saw this guy come up in the game like, dude, I remember you're still running Max Blooms. Yeah, Open yeah. mic in Orange County. Just, you know, the great thing about stand-up comedy, guys, is, is peace, Max it's Max like, um, it's like going to school with a friend. You get to watch these people grow. Uh, whether or not these people end up graduating and doing something with, with the degree, we don't know, but that's why we have Facebook. Um, but the great thing is, my dude Vince is one of those guys I I seen blossom into uh, not only like a headliner touring everywhere, uh, but someone that just kind of uh, created his own path. And um, you know, we got a lot of similar interests, especially with like hip hop and and music. Um, we have a similar background. Uh, Vince, like me, before we got into comedy, were very, very into the into the rap game. Um, Vince is from Jersey, so you know, like I was a West Coast kid growing up, listening to like '90s hip hop from the East Coast. So 
I actually admire dudes from the East more than I did the West just because, you know, I was like a Wu-Tang Clan fan, fucking Mob Deep, Artifacts from New Jersey, Redman is Jersey, right? Redman's from New Jersey? Yes, sir. I mean, that was the most... Yeah, Brick City. I mean, so, you know, just hearing Vince, like, just your voice alone, like, you have, like, a hip-hop voice almost. Like, there's, like, fucking, you know, know, DJ Premier, like... Hip-hop raised me, brother. Hip-hop raised you. It's crazy. So you're, like, a a hip-hop head. I'm a big hip-hop fan. I'm, you know, passionate. I'm, like, I'm not, like... I'm not gonna sit here and say like I'm a hip hop genius and know every right but history you're... from. But I, you know, I, I do love hip hop, and I, as far as I can remember, I've been listening to hip hop since I was about seven, eight years old. Seven, eight years you old. Know, the and first uh, thing now. And uh, where were you born? Like where? I was actually born in the Philippines, bro. You're from the Philippines. Yeah, I came here when I was seven years old. Seven years old into California, or no, I moved. Yeah, I mean, I have family in Cali. I was in Cali for a few months, then we decided we're going to settle in Jersey City. And Jersey City was where um, my mother's side is, my father's side is here in Cali. So my, uh, I decided, uh, we decided as a family, we're going to go to Jersey City. Go to Jersey. Jersey City, if you guys are not familiar, it's right across the river from Manhattan. Right. So I can, uh, it's, uh, I can actually look outside my window and see the World Trade Center. So... Um, there was a joke when I, I know when I was, uh, that you used to say Jersey was the armpit of New York. Probably. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Jersey get no respect from New Yorkers. But I know Jersey. Jersey is like the like, fifth or sixth borough though, honestly. Cause Jersey and New York are like, they're so, so literally I, one train ride away to get into Manhattan. You took the path. The path train. The uh, path was a trip cause it went under the Hudson river, right? Yeah. So exactly. I'm like one stop away to New York. And how long did you live in Jersey? Uh, I was in Jersey for like most of... Most of your life? Most of my life, about 25 years. And then, you know... So are you, you're like technically you're like an East Coast head. Yeah, pretty much, brother. You know, like even though, like I said, I was born in the Philippines, but I grew up in Jersey City. Jersey City raised me. He's like, he went from East East to Middle East exactly. and shit. Exactly. But All it's right. funny because I had an accent when I first came to the country. Like you had a Filipino accent? I had a little Filipino accent. No wonder you got shit so good as your, as like your... Oh, like, oh yeah, I do a character named Bruno Bars. Yeah, People think like, like I'm just making fun of the accent, but actually that's how I used to really sound. And that's a... Fuck it. Okay, so if you guys haven't... um, Some people who know who don't know, Vince has got a character named Bruno Bars based off Bruno Mars and... He he basically, you know, took this Filipino dude and fucking did his thing. And but what I love about your your characters is that um you stay very honest to the the culture and I could tell like even with like the subtle nuances in the uh, I love when you call me Big Mama video when you you showed the filipinos yeah, it's funny because I it was, wasn't like you were doing a uh, adam sandler parody where it was like you were just playing off the general stereotypes like you had details like all your women in there were like you know look were older and they look more real yeah. it wasn't so like that's what these I, wanted young, to, I wanted to represent it, it was very honest up, you know what i'm saying i wanted yeah. the video to feel like okay she looked like she could be my auntie. You know what I'm saying? Because I grew up around that. And I was like, I wanted that vibe. Even though, that, you know, it's funny. It's because I grew up around hip-hop culture. But also, my family 
my family being Filipino, I'm familiar with the culture. So I wanted right. to uh, kind of mesh both worlds with a sprinkle of comedy. So that's why like that video, I think, did really well because it was a parody of the Big Papa video. So the video is called New Mama. So I love yeah. it when I see a new mama. It's about tribute to nurses. Yeah. Uh, nursing, the nursing field is common amongst Filipino uh, families. It is very common. So I just, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of like celebrate that, you know, make light of it. So in a comedic way, I was able to showcase Filipino culture and also make Pay, tri- pay tribute to one of the best hip hop songs there is in the, in yeah, the world. Yeah, so he did Big Papa, but he did it as a tribute to mamas, and he used and nurses. <laughs> he used a bunch of nurses like Kaiser Permanente, like all that shit. And yeah, like, if you guys haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. It, it's hilarious, up, and uh, it's actually pretty damn freaking accurate. Yeah, look up Vince Royale, R O Y A L E, new yeah. mama. And it's a, it's a basically a parody of uh, Big Papa, but it's uh, a tribute to Filipino nurses and moms. So how'd you get into the comedy game? Were no, you it's in, funny because first? like when I first, like I said, when I first moved to Jersey City, I was seven years old. I had a thick Filipino accent, right? And the kids used to make fun of me when I was a kid. Like, why does he sound like that? He sounds funny. And I was like, you know what? So I got obsessed with sounding like... Uh, a regular person to my in my not, not not a regular person, but you know somebody that's from here, who's actually American. So how do I do that? So I obsessed in watching movies, and listening to hip hop music. <laughs> so I pretty much like immersed myself watching like Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and listening to hip hop. So I said, you know what? This is how people talk. This is how I'm gonna emulate, and then that's how I. So I got accustomed to speaking. Uh. Speaking, uh, like I sound like I'm from Jersey, New York, like a deeper Robert De Niro fucking... So hip-hop kind of shaped, or American movies shaped your... American movies and, uh, and music, and specifically hip-hop culture. Seven years old, and you come here at like... That's also kind of far in the game where it's not... You had to like really be a fob. Yeah, or like learn... Yeah, yeah, you know I mean? I was like, I already knew I speak English, but I, I already had like I had... A, like an accent. Are you fluent in, in Filipino? I can speak, yeah. I can speak and understand Tagalog. Tagalog? Yeah. And what's funny is because, like, I was a fob. I had to take the ESL class. You took your ESL. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, I was always being, you know what I'm saying, teased by other kids. You were teased for... Yes, because like... Was oh, your, was your accent like hella, like, like, did you not know any English? No, I knew English. I just sounded like... You just had an accent. Yeah, I'll give you an example. So did you like, learn English in the Philippines? Yeah. I know I picked it up from watching Sesame Street. You know, I used to watch a lot of Sesame Street back <laughs> in the Philippines, you know, but Okay. So I didn't realize I, I didn't realize I didn't realize I had an accent until the kids pointed out when I got to Jersey. <laughs> I'm like, why does he they're always making fun of my accent because I sound like this? How come uh how come he talks like this? I'm like, Oh and I didn't realize, yeah, I do talk funny. So I said Is that how you really sounded? That's how I really sounded. So but then by the time you know, it only took me a few months to actually work on the, the diction. Because on top of that, I was taking ESL classes. I was listening to music, hip-hop music, and watching movies. I said, you know what? How do I perfect my English? So I started listening to a lot of music, hip-hop, and I started mm-hmm. writing down lyrics, dude. And that's how I actually got into like learning how to write rhymes. 
Because I started oh, writing so like... Oh, so you were like um, copying bars? Yeah, and, and I would wow. recite like freaking Wu-Tang lyrics. I would write down Wu-Tang lyrics. Was that your favorite shit? Word. Yeah, that was my favorite. Like, Wu-Tang forever, shout out. When I was seven, it was actually like... Uh, yeah, during that time, it was a lot of... Uh, Tribe Called Quest was popular. I remember listening to Tribe Called Quest. Eric B and Rock Him. Uh, EPMD. You know, and then it's the early 90s. That's when uh, Wu-Tang started popping, Nas, Biggie, you know, and then, but then I was already in my teens, but I've always, always been into, like, writing rhymes, because, you know, back then, this was before um, Google or uh, Rap Genius, you know what I'm saying? Right. So you actually had to listen to the lyrics. Yeah, to listen to the lyrics, write it down, buy, buy an album. Buy an album, and I used to like CDs with the lyrics on it. Because you're like, okay, I don't have to do the work. <laughs> I can just like read the lyrics. But I was a big lyrical nerd. I really appreciated the lyrics. And most people did back in the 90s in the golden era. Yeah. Most people really appreciated, appreciated lyrics. Appreciated lyrics. Oh, shit. And the wordplay behind it. Right. And I, and I, took, a, I took a liking and passion towards uh, you know, putting words together. And it wasn't until maybe I was like 15, 16 years old that I started writing my own rhymes. Right. So I've actually been rhyming since I was like 14, 15. So to be honest, dude, um, I know what you say about lyrics because, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, sometimes I'll throw on some Big Daddy Kane, um, some Eric B and Rakim, and just for that era, you know, like, even though, like, let's say to now it's not as, maybe some of it doesn't transcend as technical in terms of like how rap has gone would say like Kendrick Lamar or Run the Jewels. No, but they did. But lyrically, I feel like it's no, but unbeatable no, in terms honestly, of like the simplicity, the flow. But they they the level they, of they set the foundation. You know yeah, no, but like for me, it's like if you listen to Big Daddy Kane, bro, him, those dudes. No like, half stepping was like they they set the tone. For like, you know, how MCs deliver, you know what I'm saying, the, the, the style and, the and, and you know, the style, the delivery, all that. Big Daddy Kane, even though he was... Big Daddy Kane, bro. Have you yeah, seen he, that? Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, those dudes like influence a whole new gen, uh, next generation of MCs. Right. You know what I'm saying? If you talk to like anybody in that era, any, you know, they've mentioned in interviews... Like, Nas will say it. Nas will say, yo, Kane, Cool G Rap. Cool G Rap. Rock him. All influenced him. Wu-Tang, they'll, they'll mention them too. Oh, yeah. All day long. Dope. Well, yeah, it was so dope about it. It's like, like I said, the 90s era was so... Well, that's what I loved really, about... People really appreciated lyrics and lyricism, and you know. But now, you know, whatever. It's oh, yeah, man, you know, it's not lyrics at all. I, I actually, I, I heard from a kid to today... That said, our generation is the best generation. I almost threw up in my mouth. Because I said, okay, why is your generation the best generation in music? She's like, we have the best rap and pop. I go, the two worst things for the soul. Wow. Because it's like, are you 
Like, it just, I'm not trying to be the old guy to say. No, me neither, dude, because, like, I try to appreciate but the music. But the music was this. good. It was too good. It was it was original because it was not that much access to, like, now there's too much information where you can copy anything. Right. You know what it is, too, because there's this uh, rise of mumble rap, and, uh, like, a lot, of, a lot of millennials in their younger generation, for some reason, love that shit. And I'm like, okay. Mumble rock, which is just, just like like drug-induced bullshit. Yeah, but I get it, you know. I see why they like that. But at the same time, it's like... It's I almost like, like psychedelic rock, but I'm not, rap. I'm not going to I'm not gonna discredit like a lot of MCs and lyricists that are out now, too. Yeah. But there's some really great artists and some dope lyrics. Like, if you really search on YouTube, you'll find some dope MCs like Dave East, Joyner Lucas, you know what I mean? You know, you know Far Beyond, I mean... On the mainstream level, yeah, you got uh, Kendrick Lamar, you know, J. Cole, but you just got to go deep in there. But, but even like if said, you go but, deep, it still ain't deep as how deep it was with us. Yeah. No, because no, no. 90s, it was like when you were vinyl, Beat Junkies, like a shout out, we got a show April 16th, DJ Icy Ice. I mean, Icy Ice, I listened to man. the Beat Junkies. That was like, you know, the fucking DJ crew I listened to growing up. Oh, absolutely, man. Mad respect to the Beat Junkies. You know what's crazy about Is this? Is Ice Ice? He's on the Beat Junkies, yeah, right? absolutely. Respect to Icy Ice. Icy Ice, that's my, dude. That's the, that's the homie right there. You know what's crazy? Like, coming from uh, the East Coast, right? And I moved here in 2008. And then I met people that actually, like, are, were familiar with East Coast hip-hop. That's because I didn't realize that you guys had Sway and Tech. Yeah. Sway and Tech would like play all the East Coast stuff. Sway and Tech, Stretch and Bobito. You guys had yeah, Stretch. Yeah, we had and Stretch and Bobito. Stretch and Bobito used to come on every Thursday night, one in the morning. And back in the day when I was in high school, I used to record it every Thursday on cassette, right? I'd, I'd stay up all night and record a whole. I'd probably use like two or three cassettes because it was like a four hour show. It would go on from like one in the morning to like. Because it was so lit, Yeah, dude. four or five in the morning. But then, you know what's crazy about it is because, like, all these MCs that are, like, so respected were on it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Big yeah, L. everybody. Jay-Z. Big, Big L, Nas, Jay-Z, Nas, Eminem. Eminem. Everybody was on that. And I was like, whoa. Dude, so Stretch dope. and Bobbito was the foundation for, like, hip-hop radio. Those, they were the gods of that. It was crazy, dude. I remember the first Have you time, seen the documentary on Netflix? The first time I haven't seen it, but the first time I've heard Nas was on Stretch and Bobito. Really? Was dude, this before Elmatic dropped, or yeah, right before Elmatic dropped? No was, way! This dude from Queens just fucking rhyming really ill. Um, Big L and Jay Z, I heard on um, Stretch and Bobito. Big Pun. Oh. Oh, Big Pun. Dude, I saw Big Pun Big in concert, Pun was, dude. Well, how was he? It was in uh, this place in the Bronx called The Ark, right? M.O.P. opened for him, and I think, I think Eminem opened for him. Because they were, but it was crazy because this is before anybody knew who Eminem was. Right. And dudes in the Bronx were just hating. They were like booing. <laughs> they were booing Eminem? Yeah, and I was like, and then a few months later, he dropped uh, the Slim, Slim Shady LP. Yeah. So the way he, I remember too. I was at um, I was at a hip hop show and they threw Eminem's tape. Uh, and people thought this was like hillbilly shit. Like, wow. Like no one respected it at all. No, but like. But honestly, that album was to me. It's gonna be my top three hip hop albums of all time. Slim Shady had some dope joints on it. I actually like 
the Marshall Mathers EP, just a little. A better. Well, I think it was more personal. Yeah. It was less like cartoony. Like but like the, the albums that I bumped back in the 90s, like heavy on rotation, was Mob Deep, The Infamous. Yeah, of course. Shout out um, fucking Illmatic by Nas. Yes. One time the thirty six chambers. Of course. Only built for Cuban links. Yes. And that okay, best solo album out of the woo? Best that's hard to say. Cuban links. I think Cuban links. Cuban but you know what? Cuban links felt like a Wu compilation. Even though I know it's it, great. Yeah, it felt like a Wu Tang album. It featured a lot of uh Wu members, which was dope, you know what I mean? But uh Ice that, was, that was one mommy. of my that was one of my favorite albums. I was used to bump. I, I bumped a lot of uh, cause back in the nineties and early two thousand. How about Big L, homie? The first one, yeah. Last Styles of the Dangerous and Poor. That was dope, but uh, the big picture was um, I think the one that came after that. Yeah, that was the one kind of unrockish that put him out. Yeah, that was dope, cause that had uh, street slang. To speak the street slang, yeah. You know, it's crazy back in the day, like in the 90s, in the early 2000s, a lot of albums you were able to listen from without skipping a song. You know, it was so classic. Yeah. It was hard for me. But that was the only way you knew like an album was dope. Yeah. It was like you could could listen it all the way through. Like, I felt like Tribe albums, all of them, you could listen to Electric Pass. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Fucking the first Tribe album. I'm a little faded, guys. That was beginning to end. Midnight Marauders, baby, beginning to end. Low End Theory was my favorite track. Low album. End Theory, beginning to end. De La Soul, Three Feet, High and Rising. That was dope. Beginning to end. Like, I, I, you know, there's a lot of albums I can listen from beginning to um, end. Um, I'm, Nas, Illmatic. Yo, Gangstar. Does Gangstar come in here at any point? Of course. Gangstar. I love, the, like, Guru's voice to me, it was just like. You know, my favorite song by, one of my favorite songs was um, by Gangstar is, uh. Above the clouds, Above but it featured, the clouds, it featured Inspector Deck. Deck. Yeah. Oh yeah, that okay. Lyrically, Inspector oh, for sure was the hardest dude on the woo. L- l- in terms of lyrics, yeah, and like, you know what I'm saying? Like sharpness. Deck, Deck was one had, had the most. Deck was the best, actually, in the most quotable verses throughout. You know what I'm saying? The woo album. Ooh, different Wu albums. What's crazy because I felt bad. Swing because to your back to your neighborhood. But his his albums are. He's never had like an album that would really stood out. You know, as far as like his other uh, Wu members. Like you know what it was. I felt like he couldn't sell his personality as well as the other guys. Like yo, when we when we heard Method Man, we bought into Method Man, right? We bought into Rayquan. Yeah, we're yeah, like fucking Ghostface. Yeah, like they all had that. Thing where we were like we liked the character ODB you know yeah. but Inspector he was just lyrics but that's what happens a lot of times I still bought his album dog you know what I'm saying and I did gave you, it a shot did I bought, you dig I, it? I probably bought every Wu-Tang album solo that, album there is I, yeah, bought, so I bought you, like you God's stuff? album I bought yo how was you God's let's be real it was it was cool I mean it wasn't uh, Capadonna and shit how about my fucking uh, Ka- nah nah what's his name dog uh, there was a lot of Wu affiliate albums. Wait, what was too. that dude? dude you guys, know what I'm talking about. Hold on, we'll get to him. Dude, I bought Killer Priest album. Killer Priest, there he is. Killami, and that's I think that's why I like George Wang because he's a Wu Tang fan too. Like, I'm a real Wu Tang. Like right now, fan. I'm staring at a Wu Tang banner in this room. Here's how you know. We got okay. bed sheets with Wu Tang logo. Let me tell you guys. If you want to, oh, I'm a hip hop head. All right, you, you, this is. Let me see your collection. You can't, you can't got, fool me with Pandora. Got, this dude got a Wu-Tang doormat. 
He got Wu Tang. Yo, I got every album in that stack right there. Dude, if anyone wants to come fuck with me on hip hop, Wu Tang bed show, sheets. I'm gonna show my CD collection, the CD with the jewel case and the shit still inside. So fuck you. You want to come out here and talk? Oh, I'm a hip hop head, <laughs> bitch. You listen to Pandora. You just got a playlist. I got Wu Tang box briefs. <laughs> and, and you know what? I'm a real motherfucker. Uh, if I fuck with you, like, I fuck with you. Like, I'm a fan from the beginning. I'm not a fan when it, it becomes hot. Although, um, I did jump on the Nipsey bandwagon. And this is only the reason why. Is I, I, I don't have to jump on the bandwagon. I listened to his shit. And it was fire. I loved what he represented. And I have a real hip-hop ear... Because I come from 90s where I, I'm one of those dudes. I hate everybody because I'm still on Method Man to Cow album. Like, you, know, it's, you, know, it is, you know, I'm guilty of that too, George. You know what I'm saying? Because like during that time of Biggie and Pac, I was, I was just listening to Biggie. You know, I was caught up in that whole East Coast, West Coast thing. No, I ain't gonna listen to Pac. He's from the West Coast. Da, 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 da. But after Pac died... That's when I was like, you know what, let me try to give it a listen. And I, I started to appreciate and respect his music. I'm like, Pac has some joints. And actually, now it's hard it's for me to even decide. Who, who you like better? Yeah, because I'm like, yo, Pac had some joints, but Biggie had some Yo, at the end of the day, man. But to me, I got... Life After Death and Ready to Die were flawless albums. But Ready then again, Machiavelli was a flawless album to me. You know I'm what I'm biggie. saying? All's on, all eyes on me. It's a flawless album. I'm Biggie all motherfucking day. Yeah. And I'm even Biggie on the biopic movies. Fucking, if you want to battle on biopics. I don't know about that. That, that freaking No Toys movie was kind of like disappointing. Was it whack? It, to me, I was like, that don't look like Lil' Kim. It, it didn't look like Lil' Kim and it didn't look like Biggie. But either did the fucking Tupac movie. Not that Tupac was decent. Well, they have my dude motherfucking Hawkeye. Hawkeye's homie from the Avengers playing Tupac. Wasn't it? I don't remember, dude. But it was like, it was better than Biggie. Movie. Best biopic hip hop movie, 8 Mile. Has that. So? Uh, nah, it wasn't a biopic. That was like a fake. That was kind of a biopic of Eminem, right? Kind no. Um, no, to me, straight out of Compton. Okay. I like straight out of Compton. I should Probably. tell this joke on stage, and I haven't. It's because, you know, I always watch movies with. I gotta do this shit. Maybe I should do it at Dad's show. Anyways, I'm not going to talk about it here, but any long story short, my dad's favorite movie we watched was NWA. Straight out of Compton. Yeah, because he likes real shit. He doesn't like fake shit. Because he's, like he's like a street dude, so I mean, he, I think he related to that movie more than like, you know, Star Wars. That's funny. I'm like, your dad just don't see him come off like NWA-ish. Yeah, no, <laughs> which was funny, and I just reminded me, man, now I... Really got to do that bit, cause I have a I have a I haven't yet to do like I I I'm hit or miss with black rooms. I don't know how you are. You probably murder, but I'm really like probably five for ten right now with black rooms because I feel like there is a certain type of joke or it like that they will really respond to. Yeah, and um. I just, it's 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 weird. I'm not saying like 
all black rooms because I've done different black rooms, but I've been the black room that hit. But there's different types of like black audiences yeah. also, because like I've done a I've done black rooms and murdered, and but then I've done a black room where it was like a gospel brunch <laughs> Have, type of vibe. So do you do, do you normally like, do pretty good in black room? Yeah, for for the most part, you know, you know, but also there's different types of uh, cities too. Like a What's your audience. best uh, type of room that you've done in terms of crowd-wise? Mix? I do really well in mixed audience, but I actually do really well when it's uh, people that have struggled. Whether it's black, Latino, white, Asian. So yeah, you do for the, you're a blue-collar comic. Yeah, I'm not, I don't do well in front of like rich folks or people that are well-off that have never been through struggle. Cause they, right. Because it's all about vibes, man. If they it feel, really is all about vibes. Look, man, if, if you... I've gone through some struggles in my life, you know, and that, that shows with your energy and the type of delivery. You, you, but if people sense, have a sense of like, I don't know, man, it's just, I don't do well, but like when it's like a wine, wine club or a golf club, a country club, stuff like that, do I do all right, but I feel like I do better when with around people that have been through some struggle. Right. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's whatever, a race, but it's, I think, social economic type of uh, situation for me. Yeah, socioeconomic situations. Um, so w- how many years are we up to in comedy right now? I'm over 10 years at this point. Over so 10? Like, uh, yo, but it's crazy because I've been doing music more than I've been lo- doing comedy. I just started stand-up maybe 2008. You were, you were producing before this? I was doing uh, beats and I was writing rhymes. I was making beats for the, uh, when I uh, eventually... Uh, yeah, after high school, when I first got my taste of credit cards, I got me some drum machines, some freaking uh, computer and some editing software. I turned my little mom's basement into a into studio. Into a studio? And so you were producing beats? I was producing beats. I was rhyming. And that was my thing, though. For years, I was... For uh, how long did you do that for? Man. Hmm. So I started college. Maybe for a good... Since... Well, since high school, I started uh, going to studios, recording first. Me and my boy Q started a rap group. So I was going to studios since I was like 15, 16. By the time I turned 18, 19, that's when I started getting my own equipment. and started uh, doing beats for people around the people around my hood, people in school. So people would just come through and lay verses down. And I was just bunch of songs. Is there any of this like out there on the internet right now? Or? Man, I probably lost it all because I got rid of my old computer. It was a gateway computer. I, maybe I, I might have like one What year song. is this? 2000 what? Yeah, I'm talking about like 2003, 4. Damn. So it before. So I was doing that. So it was no it, comedy till 2008. Yeah, it wasn't until then. And I really thought I was going to be a producer or uh, own a record label. Like my whole goal in college was to be like the next Russell Simmons. No way. He did it. I was like, that was my thing. Wow. I actually got an internship working at Sony. So how did... And I worked at Sony. I worked at Red Distribution. And were you like, like a oh, funny man. dude this whole time? Like, I mean, you... I cracked jokes, but I wasn't like thinking of stand-up. So what, how, how do we get into comedy? Like, where's so, the transition? All right, so I was involved with this young lady back when I was in Jersey, New York. Okay. We young were, lady in terms of uh, someone you're dating? No, I was with her. Like, okay, you were you're with her with her. We're together for about six years, you know, and then we were supposed to go to California, but that didn't work out. 
you know, we had a falling out, so I was stuck in California. You know, I was just depressed. So I was going through a major breakup because she, you know what I mean, she didn't want to be with me because I couldn't get, uh, whatever. I don't okay. want to get too personal. You to make a long personal. story short, bad breakup. I was going through depression. I didn't want to do music anymore because it reminded me of, of that life. Ugh. So I just got to... I started hanging out at dive bars, bowling alleys, drinking, and I came across... Comedy now. Comedy, night. open mics, and I would just hang out and watch comedians. And then it made me feel better. And what, 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 um, <coughs> where are you at in your point of life? Are you in California yet? Yeah, I'm in California now. So oh, okay. at this point, this is 2008, I decided, you know what, I'm going to try this comedy thing. I'll sign up for an open mic. I did it, the first time I did it, I think I was like tipsy. <laughs> and I was just ranting. People are like, you're funny, man. Why don't you just uh, come back here next week? We have a comedy contest. Signed up, did a comedy contest, won some cash. <clears throat> and I was like, you know what? This is fun. So then I just started focusing on comedy until he left music behind. Did and you even know you had a com- like a funny bone? No, not at all. But it wasn't. But I'm very obsessive. I'm very passionate type of dude. Like when mm-hmm. I was into hip hop, I was so deep into it. I was like so... I put 150% yeah. into it. Yeah, that's how I am, too. And that's how I became... That's With how I, comedy, that's right? That's how I attack comedy, too. And I said, if I'm going to get into Did you get into... Um, this, get into to, to, do you watch a bunch of specials? Yeah, I did, actually. And back then, books. This, is, this is before... This is 2008. So this is before Netflix, before you could just watch freaking... Um, yeah, we had to rent the shit. Yeah, you had actually... It was three fucking dollars to watch something, bro. I mean, I watch what I can on YouTube, but then I started, like, ordering specials from Amazon, eBay. So I watch every comedy special that I uh, that I can find from Chris Rock, Martin Lawrence, Richard Pryor, So you still have a, a lot of black comedy? <laughs> black, white, because I also enjoyed George Carlin, you know, uh, Steve Martin. A lot of, I just studied comedy in general. Like, mm-hmm. every aspect of it. Black, Latino, white. And I just watched what worked. And as I studied and I obsess over it, and like I did when I first started getting into hip-hop, mm-hmm. I would write the lyrics. I would actually sit there and write the monologues. Wow. The jokes. And I was like, oh. So that's Damn. how he wrote, Chris Rock wrote. Because, like, sometimes... That's pretty, that's pretty sick. You know what's crazy about it? When you read Chris Rock's jokes, it's not as funny as he delivers it because he has a certain cadence and delivery. And I'm like, okay, why is it not funny when I'm reading it? But when he delivers it on stage, it's funnier. Then that's when I realized sometimes it's about delivery or the pauses and the way it's said that makes it funny. So there's a science behind it too. Right. And I'm like, oh shit, man. This is like hip hop. It is. Because, you know, as I study... You know, it, I, is, it, I is, it is. It is. It is the cadence and the delivery. It's, and that's something that I've learned, too, but from um, studying lyrics in hip-hop. <clears throat> it's the cadence, the delivery, and what makes it work. But also, it's like, that's the beauty of language, though. You know? And as I learn to... As I learn more about the English language, and I just, I just became, a, became passionate over linguistics, man. Right. And but also that's the beauty about comedy also because it's it's similar to hip hop but it's not it's its own lane too right you know there's there's the only art form that you require a response in order for it to work right because with writing rhymes what's what's fun for me what makes it fun is because you could edit 
you know, you can craft words, you can, you know, you can record. You can but you do, can't edit comedy. You can't edit comedy once it's live. Comedy, you know, comedy is, is like, yo, you'll know if it did not work or not right yeah. then and there. Yeah. So that's, that's the difference, you know, but I loved it, man. I enjoyed comedy as much as I enjoyed it. And you made the most progress in comedy than all the other fields? Mm, I think it's because I have experience with marketing and learning to work with independent artists. And working at a record label that I learned how to... Wow. What record label did you work at? I was uh, I was interning at Sony. Wow. Then I became an urban music director assistant at Red Distribution, which is a, which is a subsidiary of Sony. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were pr- promoting like Bone Thugs independent releases. Wow. That's um, dope. A lot of like independent rock groups. And this is early 2000s. So this is still like uh, the... We're still transitioning into new media, it was called back then. Because record labels were still suffering from... We're trying to figure out how to uh, monetize off uh, free music now, online music. Because before it was just CD sales. Because that's what, like, fucked the industry up. Yeah, so for a little bit, like, music music, uh, record labels are like, how are we going to make money? People not buying CDs and they're getting free music online through Napster or mp3.com and all this stuff. Music's being leaked. And so my director at that time, his name is Russell Fink, he kind of mentored me and showed me how to, he had this idea where it's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to create online street teams. We're going to get all these interns to create um, profiles and we're going to go into message boards and just post all these links and to drive people to listen to it. And that's how we created a buzz online initially. So it started with the message boards. And you know, basically, my to make a long story short, I learned a lot of online and marketing uh, by working at the record labels. So, with that background, and also I graduated with a marketing degree. So with that background, I said, how can I apply this with comedy? Wow, yeah. So it became like okay, good. that's why it was always good to have. It's kind of a blessing that I learned how to work the business, the behind the scenes part, and learn how to market artists before I started getting into comedy I mean you know uh, so you had all the the training and the experience like way before yeah so I mean it was cool so I learned how to like I said market myself and by the time I uh, felt like I was ready I was able to book my own shows and I mean I'm not I've accomplished a lot in comedy but I still like I feel like there's there's more work to be done but that's okay because you know I I like the journey, man. There's always more work to be done. Yeah. There's always but more I've, I've done a lot, you know what I mean, in comparison to a lot of people I've started with. But there's also, there's also people I started with that are doing amazing things. Right. But at the same time, there's people who probably look at me and think like, oh man, he's done a lot. But, you know, it's, it's, always, it's all about perception. Yeah, but also at the, at the end of the day, it's also about perseverance. I mean, comedy is one of those... It's one of those games where it's like, here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah. Like, that's why we've seen guys rise to fame and then drop faster than, like... You know? That's why why I'm enjoying the ride. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm just enjoying the ride, brother. Enjoy the ride. That's what it's all about. Like, sometimes, the faster you go up, the faster you go down. And I'm like... But I like the process, and I want to continue to just enjoy it. Because the moment... There was maybe a point in my life, maybe three, four years ago, I, just, I was trying to 
considering quitting because it can get frustrating. You know, there's a, in show business, there is a lot of doors closed. There's a lot of rejection. But then you got to realize that, you know what? I got to take it back to the beginning. Why did I start doing this? Why did you start doing this? It was fun because it was, I, was, I loved it. It, it was made, fun. You know I mean, it was an art form to me. It's before, the best art form there is. Before it was a before it was a business, it was an art form. It was a, uh, an outlet, a channel for creativity. Right. You know, and that's how I gotta look at it again. And you do, and and I think with that channel, you you um, create more channels. Yeah, and now because... it's like, and now now more recently, like maybe two years ago, I started incorporating music with the comedy. I started doing characters, and I started rhyming as different characters. So that's something new. That I started doing, but I did about eight years straight stand up before I even started taking on characters yeah. and incorporating music, because I always, I kind of like shied away from it because I didn't want to be seen as a variety act or whatever. Right. You can't mix the two genres. But then I realized it's all art, man, and this is what I love to do, you know. So what, you know? And, and I stopped caring about what anybody else thinks, whether it's, uh, you know, other comics. I'm like nobody is make. Nobody can make me happy but me. Right. And nobody's paying my rent. <laughs> yeah, that's that. You, know you have saying? to really look at it at that. It's like, who cares? You know, what, so why, if am these, I, why am I seeking validation from other people? Who cares? And if you these people I mean? aren't, you know, exactly. If they're not making you money or progressing you in your career, they're not worth any inch of your exactly attention. You know, and I think that's what a lot of people like. Uh, are so discouraged or they feel frustrated because they're worried about the validation from outside sources. Other people, yep. Whether it's uh, peers, the industry, family, whatever, man. The moment I started not giving a fuck, I was like, you know what? That's when, when shit happens. I'm going to do me. This is what makes me happy. This is what I feel like allows me to release my creative energy. I'm just going to do this and follow that route and... When you do what you love and you get really, you know, when you get good at it, people will recognize that. And people yeah. will know you put work into it. Whether it's, you know what I mean, whether it's stand-up or it's music, your sketches, films, whatever it is you do, people will recognize the heart you put into it now. Right. And the passion. And that's the number one thing I feel like that motivates me and, and, and Vince to do this uh, you know, very awkward art form of uh, making people, you know, laugh off of your ideas. It's not always sunshines, though, man. You know, it's like it's 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 a lot of work, man. It's a lot, it's a of, lot work. of work, a lot of hustle, a lot of fucking blood, sweat and tears. Like I said, I've been doing comedy 10 years. I've appeared on television. I've toured the country, but I've also been to places where I've had to sleep in my car. I've had to sleep on the floor. I've driven, you know what I'm saying? I've driven hours to do a $50 gig or to just to get paid in Red Bull or chicken wings. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I've paid the dues also. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it blows my mind when I, when I see new comics that only want to do comedy once a month. And I'm like, are you serious? You know what I mean? This is, if you really want to grow in the art form, you got to like put work in, man. And and here's the thing though, like for comics listening and it's, it's you know, it's hard to get stage time in LA. A lot of people don't want to hit the open mics. I get it. You know, me and Vince get it. Like 
I'm not an open mic guy. I've done them. I've done a lot. But you get to a level where you know your craft and you work on it. And it's not necessarily it's not necessarily saying like, look, you're not getting a lot of book shows a month. That's fine. That's part of the process. That's part of the process. Yo, do the open mics. Like, I'll, honestly, my first two, three years, I was literally going up six, seven nights a week. You got to do it. You know, when I moved to New York... Back to, I moved back to New York 2011 so I could do comedy for a year because they told me, a lot of headliners told me, you want to get strong, go to New York. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it because my family's there. Might as well, you know, develop where I'm from. I was able to go up three, four times a night like a maniac, dude. I was going in it, but it did help me. It got me strong. But, it, you know, <coughs> I'm at that point, I'm very selective now but i'm at that point where i'm like i don't need to do freaking an open mic every night and do three to five minutes you know because now i'm featuring i'm headlining you know but in the beginning man go up there man be a fucking maniac go up six seven nights a week get strong you know what i mean take every gig that you can that's every comic that i know that's strong that's getting work and that's getting booked put in the work man and once you put in the work, look, it's like growing a fucking plant, dude. The work will work for you because people will only fuck with funny in this business. As a producer, if you go to my show and you kill, I will book you. And I'm going to tell three other guys to book you. And you get you go and kill those three other guys' shows. Just now you got a rotation. Exactly. Just do good and be funny and do really well. People always, you know what I'm saying? Some young comics always ask me. Well, this is what I want to say. Who so much, man? Who booked that? I'm like, you know what? Do whatever you have to do to get funny because at the end of the day, all that matters is that five fucking or 20 minutes you do when you get paid. That's all that matters. I don't care what you've been doing all year long. I don't give a fuck if you've been. Just do, re- just yeah. do really well and just be funny. That's, That's it. Be funny that. and you get booked. And people will see that and you'll develop a reputation. And just don't be an asshole. Don't you know be an asshole. Be cool. There's a lot of people that are fucking egotistic, cocky, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Just don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Be a good dude. Um, you know, don't leave after someone else is set, after you just got done. You know what I mean? At least wait two or three so that you can pretend that you're there to watch some of it. You know, but other than that, man, um, hold on. I'm going to. Yeah, so long story short is like, um, I just feel like um, there's a lot of ways to get funny nowadays. It's like, uh, you know, even though you want to do stand up, you could also promote yourself through videos. And there's so many options and outlets right now, brother. I feel like. This became a TED Talk for young comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Y'all should pay for this. This is fucking comic talk. These are dude. like real words of wisdom. Yeah, like yeah. Comics you have been you doing won't get this at, in comedy class. They'll, they'll tell you how to write a joke, but they won't tell you what happens when you really try this shit. Yeah, but I, I don't mind sharing. Like I said, I'm an open book. Anybody comes up to me and asks me, like, yeah, you know, I'll share some experiences, uh, you know, some, some insight. I feel like uh, this has been very valuable to somebody who's actually trying to get into comedy or thinking about it, you know, or young comics. Yeah. I don't know. Should I have been more funny, George? Because this turned into like a, a, like a, 
motivational. I don't think, no, 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 no. I mean, I didn't want to. I didn't want to come on the show sounding preachy. Like, uh, listen, it's not about being preachy. It's about being real. And um, I, I honestly think like sometimes shit's funny, but at the same time, shit's interesting. Shit's also informative. Like, like for me, like I love laughing. That's my number one thing in life. But you know, some motherfucker wants to sit me down and teach. Sometimes me. you need some real shit, and you need some, you need some, some, some helpful in life, man. Yeah, you just you need everything, bro. Like <laughs> I, I love laughing. I love laughing, but I also love. Like, to learn shit, you know? And, and some of my favorite podcasters do that for me. Like, they got guests that are funny, but I'm actually more impressed by the guys who are funny and informative because I, I'm around funny all day. I'm like a chef who won't eat his own cooking. Like, I'm just tired of funny because I have to do that as a job. And anytime you start to do anything... Like this, George. Like I've done comedy so much for so much, so long, right? And I watch so much comedy. I've been to so many shows. I watch so many comedy clubs. Like it's really hard to make me laugh sometimes. Like comedy quality has to be great. It has to be super funny, you know, for me to laugh sometimes. Yeah, it has to be. I think that now maybe it's probably the same feeling a strip club DJ has. Yeah, you know, like he's like, just yeah. immune to tits. It's like uh, you got uh, it's just another pair of boobs, you know, because they see it all the time. Yeah, it's That's another how pair I feel of like boobs. sometimes about comedy. Like when I first started, I felt like I was able to enjoy it as a civilian, but now that I immerse myself in the art form, right, and watch so much comedy, I feel like I've become kind of. Uh, to yeah, me, honestly, it's not about kind of like uh, a very hard to impress when it comes to like if you're funny, you're funny, dude. Yeah, you know what I'm saying that I means if I laugh. That means you you must be really funny. To me, it's, I think it's about relating to me now. Yeah. I think, like, there's a lot of funny shit out there. You know, like, I just watched a special famous comedian. I didn't laugh. People were dying. But he had me at moments because I related to that moment. But I'm not as, like, when you do comedy, you're not as easily fooled into what the dude is saying. Right. Like, the magic for me when I would laugh at old Eddie Murphy, Delirious, doesn't have the same effect on me now. Because mm. I understand the comedy st- structure. Right. So, the shit that makes me laugh, it has to be real. Yeah. And it has to relate to me. Like, if we talked about some comedy inside stuff, right? Yeah. No one will laugh. But we'll laugh because we know that's it hits home because that's the world we live in of making people laugh but the people we find funny are the people that are are actually funny within our realm of comedy because we understand and again, don't get me wrong man there's a lot of comics out there that are fucking super talented and hilarious you know and I'm like damn you know what I'm saying they put the work in those dudes are they deserve to be where they're at or they deserve more, you know? I love watching that. I love seeing that. Because I'm such a big fan of comedy as well. I love, you know? Yeah. But there are times that are like, like you said, it's hard for me to laugh when it's, I don't know. Because I've heard it before. Yeah. Or like, ah, I've heard it before. That's yeah. not original. If it's not original to me, it's off. Yeah, that's true. Fun. If it's not original, it probably won't. 
make you laugh as hard. Like, I don't know how many times I heard a joke that was, like, close to Joe Rogan or someone that I saw on Netflix that I'm yeah. like, is anyone catching up on, like... Bottom line is, put in the work, you know what I mean? Be funny, or whatever it is you do, because maybe it's not just comedians listening to this podcast. Maybe you're an, Maybe you're a plumber. You know, yeah, be good at what you do. Yeah. Be the best plumber there is, man. You know what I'm saying? Plunge the do deepest the pipes. You know what I'm saying? Get in there, dig get in, in there, dig, dig in, in. The yeah, dig in the toilet. Plunge, plunge the shit out. You know, like get a better, <laughs> get a better plumbing system. You know, show more ass crack. This has been a motivational show by George Wayne. It is. It's motivational. Listen, I. A lot of people come by here, yeah, I get it, you want to laugh, ha, 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 but uh, for me, podcasts are informative. Sometimes you got to learn something, youngins. You know what it is? It's one of those days. Knowledge is power, guys. Knowledge is power. And you know what? Even though we comedians, we're real people, too. We got, we have these moods where, like, you know what? I'm going to talk about some real shit. Tonight's one of those nights. We talk about some real shit. This is one of those nights. Listen. There are times that I was like, I've been doing comedy for so long, and I'll have I'll hit a road bump, or I'll get a, like a rejection from whatever it is, a booker, or a showcase, or a TV uh, audition, and I'll be sitting there in the bathroom, thinking to myself, man, maybe I should have pursued nursing, like my mother said. <laughs> <laughs> have you thought about that? I'm like... I've had my moments where, like, maybe I should have just been a civilian. Maybe I should just work a nine-to-five. But you know what? But there's no fun in a nine-to-five. There's nine no five. fun in that. And well, how is that, I mean, how is that following my passion? And how is that really truly living life when you're not doing something that you love? Because right. you could, Jim Carrey said it the best, man. You could go, his his father, like, wanted to be a comedian, but he wanted, he, his father wanted to play it safe, so he became, like, an accountant. But you end up getting laid off by the firm anyway. Right. So you might as well pursue something you love because in any way you go, it's still going to be a risk. You never know right. what's going to happen. Right, everything's a risk. You could work for a regular job, work a nine-to-five job, and that, that, that company might go out of business, whatever the case is. Whatever the case is. You might as well do something you love. You know, this is an opportunity. So, listen, guys. After you hear this podcast, do me a favor. Go... Go on ComedyBureau.com and find the nearest open mic and go do your best three minutes. And if you fucking, do you end up you know, eating? And then on top of that, like, sometimes I remember back in the day, if I couldn't get an open mic, why I didn't want to do an open mic, I'd call one of my friends and be like, look, I'm going to do some comedy in your living room. Can I tell you some jokes? Just get a group of people together. We're going to have a little get-together. Yeah. And I'm gonna do, I did stand-up every. I've done Damn. stand-up in backyards, living rooms, there, just so um, I could work out material. Fireplaces. I got really creative with it, man. Yeah. Or so, like, guys, I it's used- all about making a group laugh. So, uh, five or six people minimum. And if you can get all of them laugh at the same time, then you're on to something. Now, if you suck, they might not be your friends afterwards. I'm just letting you know that. They might not come to your shows. They might now. unfriend you <laughs> on Facebook, dude. Like, this guy, not, not his shenanigans again. Is he going to try to run these horrible, unfunny Listen, jokes? Listen, for you people out there watching your friends do comedy for the first time, I get it. 
oh, he wasn't funny. Well, guess what? It's not the same as me and you together being funny. Bitch, you have to make 38, 90 people laugh at the same time. So that's the fucking, you know, the the puzzle to the pie. How do I do this? That's where you have to practice jokes and learn in front of crowds. That's why it's hard because if anyone thought they were funny and could get up there, we could all do this. But it's not. It takes work. You can't fake it. And we will see that if you really have put in the work just by seeing how well you do with the crowd, right? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? People know. People know. Because somebody will be on stage and you can tell, oh, that person is seasoned. He put in the work. You can tell. So with that being said, uh, me and Vince have a show at the Brea Improv. Brea motherfucking improv. April 16th, Tuesday. And I promise Fullerton. it won't be a TED Talk. We're actually going to put in the work. It's not going to be a TED Talk. This perform. wasn't a TED Talk either. You yeah. guys got you guys got you guys, a fucking... You guys um, got hip-hop history. A little bit of lessons you here. You got some, comedy. Some comedy uh, tutorials. You got a lot for fucking a podcast, dude. I mean, seriously, bro. You go get someone to rap. Fucking vegan potluck. Oh, what? And you got Ned Namaste on this podcast? Ned Namaste special yeah, guest. Weird, shout man. out. Shout out to the Planet Vega. I like him, but he's a little weird. He's a little weird for me. So, uh, listen, we got a show April 16th. Brea Improv. I will be hosting that show. Shout out Wade Whammer. Shout out Comedy by Tony. Keetra Long. DJ Icy Ice from the Beat Junkies. We got a lot of surprises. Come through, man. George Wang going to turn it down. Turn it up. Turn actually. it up. He's, he's going to be hosting. You know. Hosting that bitch. My boy Ned Namaste is going to be there. Ned Namaste is coming. Vince Royale. If you don't know who I am, Google me. That sounds like that sounds like the cockiest thing for somebody to say. You don't well, know me. Yeah, well, Google, Google, Google Ned Namaste, and uh, I got um, I'm at the Ice House this Saturday with Dat Fan, Last Comic Standing. I'm doing a little small guest set, and uh, I got the the Vince Royale show the weekend after April sixteenth. April sixteenth, and uh, I'll be dropping my YouTube channel soon. Wayne's World. Fucking Phoenix Riders shot out. Collabo. I mean, we got some insane things in the works. I'm excited. Thank you, Vince, for your time. No, thank you for having me, man. No Always problem. fun, brother. And we're going to be up on the Periscope. So if you guys follow my Periscope, we're going to do a few... Uh, we're going to do a few prank calls uh, tonight. And uh, it would be cool if you guys uh, chime in. So if you don't follow me on Periscope, download Periscope. Wayne's World. Positive prank calls. We can get this shit started about in about like nine or ten minutes. Okay, so everyone, how we got? Mm-hmm. Yo, what's up? We all over the place. Man.